We're going to go to the Holland Capitas fan hotline, and we're going to talk to our good friend from DK Pittsburgh Sports, Chris Carter. Uh, Chris, a um, couple of things. Uh, are you a believer that Cam Newton um, last year just kind of had a down year and can shake all of that off and, and, and you know, sort of rise again and, and lead the Patriots back to the <laughs> promised land? I mean, if you mean a Super Bowl, no. Um, I, I do think that Cam Newton had a rough year in the sense that the Patriots had nothing going for them. I mean, and again, this was why Tom Brady left. He knew the cupboard was bare. He knew the protection was going to be sloppy. He knew the receivers weren't going to be good. He knew that the running backs were going to be limited. Like, uh, like Cam Newton being there, Cam Newton is not the MVP quarterback he was four or five years ago, but he still can be a good veteran quarterback to have on your team if you have talent around him. If the Patriots could build a solid running game, I think that would most benefit Cam Newton's talents because then you're saying, hey, Cam, we're not asking you to hit a bunch of accurate passes all throughout the game. We're just asking you, hey, put up the bomb occasionally. Make the smart decision. Use your feet when you have to. Use your size to, to keep plays alive. Do the things that you're good at and play to that. But if you're asking Cam Newton to run the Tom Brady offense, you're just you're, you're fitting a square peg in a, in a round hole. It, just, it wouldn't work. Um, it didn't work last year. Um, I, I think if they worked a running offense the way that they were early in the season before he got affected by COVID, I, I think you could work with, with Cam Newton. But the, the problem with the Patriots is they just they got no weapons on offense. And, and he's a guy that he really didn't have a whole lot of weapons in, in Carolina. But if you don't have a really good defense like that Carolina team did, you know, when he when they went to the Super Bowl that year, you're asking Cam to do a lot. And again, this ain't the Cam Newton of old when he was in his prime and lighting people up. But he's still he's still a studious quarterback. I do think he has a future if someone if he gets put in the right system. But you know, the Patriots they got a lot of answers to a lot of questions to figure out, and they don't have a lot of answers on their current roster right now. Well, let me play uh, devil's advocate to the idea that you have to have a big time you know quarterback in order to win. Um, sure. because what we're seeing is a lot the, the formula for winning is actually having a big-time quarterback who is young and on a contract that isn't destroying your your salary cap. So Agreed. the Patriots have like about seven, $72 million to spend under the salary cap, and they've got like nine or ten draft picks. So my feeling is you, you, you pay Cam Newton, and really it's like six and a half, seven million with a bunch of incentives to get the 14, you pay them that they've got a lot of money to spend and a lot of picks to go, you know, bolster their offensive line to get some weapons around them uh, and make the team better. And they've got what seven or eight guys that opted out last year coming back. I mean, they could get good in a hurry around Cam Newton, but it still comes down to, can he play at a high enough level to give them a chance to win? Yeah, I wouldn't put the Patriots out of trying to make a move to get a quarterback this year. I mean, again, there's four guys I consider legit first-round quarterbacks this year. One of them just had a pro day today in Trey Lance. If they can finally get one of those guys, I mean, that guy is going to be learning, can learn behind Cam Newton. He can play the Alex Smith kind of role, and then they can let a guy just learn the system, be ready next year or whenever they want him to take over the offense. And, and yes, use a lot of those picks that they've amassed and just – Fill out your roster. Get get some offensive linemen. Get yourself a, a playmaker wide receiver. Um, and maybe think 
against the traditions that got you to where you are at your wide receiver position. Because remember, they took Enkeel Harry in the first round, and now they're trying to tr- trade him away. I mean, anybody that, you know, and I wouldn't say anybody, but a lot of people who saw that pick were like, that, that's not a good fit. Like, that's not going to work out in the first round. And, and here they are trying to get rid of him. Um, they need to do a better job at hitting. I, I think, honestly, what we've seen uh, this year and even the year before when they when they had Tom Brady, Tom Brady masked a lot of problems with the, with the roster. There's a lot of missed draft picks in the Belichick era that have just been like, you know, kind of over over you know overlooked because Tom Brady made up for them because like, hey, this guy's gonna process and beat your defense in all these different weak spots uh, with these players that normally on most teams wouldn't do as well because they don't have a guy that processes the field as as good as Tom Brady. So, um, so yeah, I agree with you. There's definitely a sense there that. You don't need to overpay for a quarterback if you can get a young quarterback. And that's the, the – I wonder if the NFL someday will go this route, Paul, but will the NFL ever get to that point where they're saying, you know what, kind of like how the running back position, we're not going to overpay $40 million a year for a quarterback. We're going to – unless you're Patrick Mahomes. But if you're, if you're say, a Kirk Cousins, we're just going to let you hit free agency and let someone else deal with that problem, and then we'll draft another corner quarterback in the first round or second round or third round, and, and we'll live with that while we work on our run game and our defense. But um, right now that's not the way the league's going. Everyone still wants to pay top dollar for a quarterback. I, I do think it would be interesting to see if that strategy changes in the coming year. Yeah, and I think we're starting to see um, one other thing that's, uh, Chris, that's starting to really become uh, what I would say the norm again is that teams are figuring out that you can still win with really good defense. And, you know, I mean, you look at what the Rams did. You know, the Rams were basically, you know, they had no offense, and they were one of the, you know, the the worst, you know, the, the toughest teams to play against every single week. Um, you see teams that are out there now playing great defense. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, for everyone talking about their offense, they really won the Super Bowl because of their defense. So you can win with defense. If you put money into your defense, you put money into your offensive line and your run game, you can probably get away with a lesser quarterback. I mean, one thing that I think that people got to remember is the NFL goes in cycles. When something is hot, eventually – Someone figures it out because that's what the NFL does because they're professionals, and then it goes in a different direction. You know, we've seen there's been times when the passing game was hot, and then they're like, you know what, oh, something was figured out about the passing game, then the running game's the thing. And then, you know, every so often there's a trend or a direction the NFL is going, and then to respond to that trend, these professionals, these coaches, these players, they come up with ideas, and and players develop – they get players who work on skills – to develop on things that wipe out a direction, you know, because they're like, hey, we have to stop this massive passing game. And I think that what we've seen, I think also one thing is we have been spoiled, Paul, for the past 20 years. When you think about the supreme passers we've had of Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees. I mean, in, in this era, Ben Roethlisberger, you struggle to say if he's even a top five since he's been he's been in the NFL. And when you see that, and then eventually it's like, okay, eventually it's going to back off from that. Eventually there's going to be, you know, big name passers, but not big name passers in the way that we've had since really 2000. Um, and I do think part of it's also teams are figuring out that, hey, let's invest in better cornerbacks. Let's invest in smaller guys who do multiple roles and cover better and take away the short passing game that everyone's trying to implement. And when that happens, you know what offensive coordinators do in response? 
oh, they got smaller guys in the defense. Let's get a running game going. And then you're going to see the running game come back. And I, it, it's like I said, everything goes in cycles. Teams adapt and then teams adapt to adaptations. And I think that that's what makes the NFL so much fun is that there's no one style that always wins. It's not just about who has the better quarterback that year. It's about who can put together, you know, a great team. Because football is the ultimate team sport, 22 on 22. If one guy makes a mistake, everyone else can get messed up by it. Um, and, and I think that absolutely you could be seeing that trend coming uh, in, the, in the next few years. No question. I mean, no question about it. That's that's a big thing uh, that I've noticed the last few years after years and years of saying, oh, the rules, you know, the pass interference rules, this, that, and the other thing. After all these years of that, the last two or three years, we've seen some really, really good defenses, haven't we? We have. We have. I mean, and we're seeing a lot of teams want to get after the quarterback. We're seeing a lot of teams you know, getting getting better better you know secondaries, more athletic guys in the defense. We're, we're also seeing more and more people coming out of college and or going into college that want to be defenders, right? Because you know you know th- there's always the, the position that people want to play. You know, we, we see more and more players that want to be running quarterbacks, and how that's becoming more of a thing because that's starting to be accepted more in the college game and in the program. But then we're also looking at, you know, what kind of safeties are out there? What kind of talent do you know? Like, like how many people want to be ranging safeties? Like we've always had guys who want to be deep ranging safeties, but you know, the strong safeties that play like Troy Polamalu or today, like, you know, like the the way that the Steelers used Terrell Edmonds, you know, a guy that can come up in the box, jam guys in the slot, but then also perform all these different roles. There's so many different things that are being asked of guys and, you know, that can fit different shapes and sizes. DeMar Hamlin, you know, a, a pit safety who I think is underrated and is going is going to be a very good pick for whoever gets him in the in the middle rounds of this NFL draft. I, I think Demar Hamlin's a guy that you know you look at and he's not he he doesn't have this supreme build of the prototypical superstar safety, but he's a guy that can play. Hey, I can play deep safety. I can play strong safety. I can play slot cornerback. I can play outside the numbers. You know, he does all those different things. And that's the thing about defense is that more and more players want to be able to play those positions because we're seeing the importance of them. So, um, you know, like Naquan Brown, the the, the guy that, that turned down LSU and became a pit four-star recruit this year, um, he's a he's a defensive end and a wide receiver, but he's probably going to turn into a defensive end for Pitt. So um, I absolutely see defenses coming through. We're seeing a lot of defenses start to, to turn, become the talk of the league. Um, and heck, I mean, look at the Buccaneers. We all talk about how Tom Brady was there, but it was their defense that rode them through the playoffs and then won the Super Bowl for them, really. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's the thing. I, 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 and I enjoy watching great defense, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the way that the trends are going. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about the Steelers, uh, Chris, and we're talking with Chris Carter, DK Pittsburgh Sports. Um, you can find his stuff at DK Pittsburgh Sports. He, he covers Pitt, but he, he also covers the NFL. Um, does a great job, too, by the way, Chris. Um, thank you, thank you. So, DK, DK Pittsburgh Sports is where you find him. But, Chris, I was going to say uh, – there's a lot of talk about what the defense will be, the Steelers defense, going from Dupree to Highsmith. Highsmith, to me, is not as good maybe as Bud Dupree was at this point in his career. What do you think his upside is, though? Um, actually, if we're talking about where Highsmith was as a, as, a, as a rookie compared to Bud Dupree as a rookie, I actually think Highsmith has the advantage there. Um, 
he, he's much more diverse in his pass rush moves. Uh, he 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 has he has a different you know bank of, uh, of skills in in that department. I, I think Bud Dupree needed to find a way to maximize his explosiveness because Bud Dupree was a better athlete than Alex Highsmith was at this point in his career because he could get off the ball. I, you know, there's the uh, if you've ever heard of Spark, it's a S P A R Q, but it's a it's a a, a measurement of explosiveness that combines different. Uh, numbers at the NFL scouting combine to measure explosiveness. A- at least a year or two ago, Bud Dupree had the highest spark rating of all time since they created that metric in draft, you know, in draft talk. Um, and and that was the thing was finding, letting him find a way to maximize that talent. And it took him time to figure that out. Now, is Bud Dupree right now better than Alex Highsmith is right now? Absolutely. But I think where Alex Highsmith comes in is he's more of that old school Steelers pass rusher defensive end converted into outside linebacker type. Like he's bigger. He's, he's a more mobile than most guys that make that transition, but he's a guy that is used to put your hand in the dirt, get off the ball, beat the man in front of you with different moves to the outside or inside shoulder and get to that quarterback as fast as possible. Um, I think he, he fits in that naturally and he doesn't, he there's not as much of a drop off as some may think with losing Bud Dupree, who was a really good talent for the Steelers. Now, will, will Alex Highsmith have double-digit sacks next season? I don't think that. But I do think he could have seven or eight, and that would be a nice range for him to be in, especially if T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, and Stephon Tewitt can all be healthy for all of next season. And then they, they still, I do still think they need a good active guy to include in the rotation for whenever T.J. Watt or Alex Highsmith get tired in the game because that does happen. And they need a guy who can get like three or four sacks in the year in that role. But uh, but I think it absolutely could happen. I, I, again, I'm not saying he is Bud Dupree right now, but I think we could be looking at you know his second year being really good, and then by his third and fourth years, people may be like, man, Alex Highsmith, we like that guy. He's he's playing really well. Um, you know, unless he's just purely being overshadowed by how great T.J. Watt has become. Chris, great stuff as always, my friend. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll do it again soon, I'm sure. Thank you, Paul. Always great to be on the show, man. All right. That's Chris Carter, DK Pittsburgh Sports. I'm Paul Zeiss. It's 93.7 The Fan.